0: Bible reading for today, we're taking from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. After reading, I would say, this is the word of the Lord, and you will respond with, thanks be to God. Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Jesus Christ had. So that with one mind and one voice, you will glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, City Church. Uh, Glad to have you here um, to City Church Lagos. Uh, The city of Lagos seems to have in front of it for the next one week uh, a deluge of rain. We're up for a week of, 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 of rains, for another six or seven days or so. Uh, so we ask you to be safe. We ask you to be prepared and uh, to sort of plan your journey as well. Two weeks ago, we had a similar uh, bout of heavy rains that uh, ended up in floods, and some people lost uh, property, and cars were stuck, and things like that. Uh, perhaps this is the latter rain that <laughs> <laughs> a number of people speak of. Okay. Nah, I don't think you guys agree. (laughs) Okay, so July is the month of prayer. And we aim through this prayer series to help us learn the importance and the heart of praying to the Lord. It's not an exhaustive series on prayer. uh, We're essentially trying to teach how to pray and what to pray for when you're in that category of prayer where you are asking the Lord. Okay, so there are different kinds of prayers. We can give prayer of thanks. We can do so many things. We can supplicate. We can petition. When we are petitioning the Lord, for a lot of people who sort of struggle with what to pray for and how to pray effectively, um, we think it will be a very, very helpful series to teach us how to pray and what to pray for. And our exploration is through the prayers of Paul, where we hope to discover the wonderful patterns, uh, the examples that are given to us that will give us, uh, that help us to voice our own expressions, that will anchor our hearts on God's faithfulness and will move us to develop um, the habits and rhythms of a prayer-soaked life. Uh, last week, Emmanuel spoke on praying for spiritual growth, um, and he spoke from the text of Colossians chapter 1, and he gave us the theology of prayer, but he also gave us some practical steps to attaining spiritual growth through the discipline of prayer, and, you know, he gave us a secret key at the end, you know, 4-P-U-D, or p 4 p P-4-U-D. And uh, for those who want to... Commune with the mystery more. We have our sermon podcast on uh, on SoundCloud. Search for the gospel in Lagos and you'll find the meaning of uh, 4PUD. It awaits us, it's glorious. This week we'll turn to another prayer of Paul, albeit a short one. Um, But before then, let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your presence in our midst. We thank you for your will for us to be people who express, who declare their dependence on you through daily communion. We thank you, Lord, because we show that we are nothing without you. We show our complete faith in you when we raise up our voice, Lord, to petition you, to supplicate you, to ask you, and to give you thanks. We recognize that all things come from you, and this is what you want us to develop. And so, Lord, we pray. That your spirit will inspire your words today, will touch every heart, will prepare every heart and touch it. That we'll be motivated, Lord, and we will get to the point, to the place where we will consider your word just as important as our daily bread. And we'll consider our fellowship with you as necessary as our meals. We ask this in Jesus' name. Okay, so I'll speak on this short uh, but wonderful prayer uh, that um, uh, Yitunde read for us in Romans fifteen five. Uh, in, in four parts, yes, four parts, I, you heard me right, in pure rebellion against City Church's <laughs> traditions, and just to give us a little poke after Emmanuel's excellent example of pulpit harmony, you know, I'm just going to, just for the sake of arguing, I'm going to put a fourth leg into the message structure at City Church, and so I'll be speaking of the focus of unity, the display of harmony, the source of a like mind, and the inspiration for love and harmony. Uh, Speaking of the focus of unity, the display of harmony, the source of a like mind, and the inspiration for harmony. Let me make sure my clock is running. Okay, excellent. So a little bit about the background to the city of Rome. Uh, We're looking at the uh, Book of Romans. Let me make sure I'm on the verse. City of Rome probably spotted a similar spectrum of inequality as the city of Lagos. Uh, in those days, and why do I say in those days, we're told, uh, well, at least the poet says, man lived a nasty, brutish life. We had short lifespans. Is that me? Okay. Okay. In those nasty British days with short lifespans, racked with war and deprivation, Rome was the center of the known world. When there were times of war, Rome was the great power of the day. So when war was raging, the only place to be safe was inside Rome. And when there was peace, when Rome brought about peace in the known world at that time, Rome was still the place to be because everyone was destroyed, everybody paid taxes, everybody sort of uh, resonated with the center. And so daily, men and women would stream into... Rome to escape their nasty lives. They were seeking a more prosperous, a more peaceful, a more enlightened, and a more elongated life, so to speak. And in the church at Rome, just as in the city, you had haves and have-nots. And at the end of the book of Rome, in chapter 16, when Paul is greeting members of the church, he counts as members of the church they were sellers of luxury goods, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. He mentioned the city treasurer, right? finance commissioner in the middle of the church, right? And there were also regular merchants. There were poor folks uh, also in the middle of that, in, in, inside that church. There are people who are connected, and there were people who are rich, and there are people who are not so rich, and people who were forgotten nobody knew their names. And it's reminiscent of most big cities uh, then as at now. God's people are a diverse group. We come from varied backgrounds. Uh, okay, not too many races here. Uh, uh, very ethnic backgrounds, different economic, educational uh, uh, spectrum. We have different tastes, we have different preferences, and we have different needs. Um, and how can this uh, group of diverse group of people uh, experience the sort of unity that Paul speaks about? Yet Paul prays and he desires for the Roman Church, and for city church that, and for every local assembly that exists, that will be like-minded, that will be united, that will be in harmony with one another. And the book of Romans was written by Paul in about A.D. 57 to 59, some say 80, 60, latest. And is regarded as as having the highest theological formulations in the whole New Testament. If you consider New Testament as a series of buildings uh, glorifying the Lord, uh, Romans, the book of Romans will be the cathedral, the huge cathedral uh, where all these wonderful great, uh, all these wonderful thoughts about God, all this great theology about God. uh, Yes, she is. For the Lord, hallelujah. Right? So it contains all these great thoughts about God, all these things that will make your mind tingle. You just, you know, you, you can't grasp all the things that are in Paul unless you settle down and read it well. And it's, 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 it's generally recognized as one of the greatest works in the New Testament. It's not the first work written by the Apostle Paul. It's not the first work written by an apostle, but it's placed first amongst the epistles. So, so such grand where they thought, they thought, it's just like when you, I don't know, some people have this experience, when you, uh, you have a fortune to meet with a new believer who says, oh, we you know, how, how should I read the Bible? How should I go about learning about Christianity? You know, some people, you have in your mind, so go and read the book of... Uh, John to see sort of, you know, some people say Romans and then Galatians, you know, you sort of have this sort of structure that you give to new believers because you think that if they grasp this initial thoughts it will help them along in their, in their Christian life. And the same way the, the, the New Testament is ordered, uh, Romans will said you know, you guys, you have to see this first. You have to see all these wonderful thoughts um, that scripture, uh, that, that God has for us. And so a bit of structure about the book of Romans in chapter 1 to 8, he talks about the sinful nature of men, uh, all men in the eyes of God are are sinful. He speaks about the inability of the Lord to save us or for us to save ourselves. He talks about justification by faith in Christ, freedom from sin, victory in in Christ by the power of the Spirit. In chapters 9 to 11, he talks about God's sovereignty in uh, in salvation, and he spells out how anyone, any individual can come to Christ. While he speaks about God's uh, sovereignty and election in 9, in 10, he talks about the need for a universal proclamation of the gospel of Christ Jesus. Doesn't say because God knows who will be saved or not. Therefore, we only preach to those who we think might be, you know, that sort of part. Universal declaration. And it says anyone can have a relationship with God. If you confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, the Lord Jesus Christ you will be saved, he says. And then from chapter 12 to 15, the book settles into a more pastoral pace. It's reviewing the practical sides of the gospel, how to live a holy life by presenting ourselves to the Lord, how we shouldn't conform to the world, and how we will love one another in our, our different communities. It's as simple Paul swivels the chair from us facing God to us facing ourselves. We just sit in a round table and starts talking about how we can do life together and how we can honor the Lord, who we cannot see, by loving one another and doing life together with people that we can't see. So in 12, it speaks about the mark of a true believer. It talks about sacrifice, about love, about serving one another, about forgiveness. In 13, it talks about submission to the authorities and how love, when we live in love, we fulfill the law. It talks about not just the law of God, but the law of man. If you live according to to love, you would be, uh, you fulfill the standards of man's law and, of, of course, God's law. And in 14, it talks about accepting one another, not passing judgment, not causing stumbling, 15 it then talks about the inspiration that Christ represents his example and pattern for how we would love one another in his glorious community it's chock full of practical advice or uh, and and it's also what holiness is all about when we, when we when people uh, uh, when people talk about holiness we often talk or think or what triggers in our mind is separation a little bit of sobriety some piety that kind of thing but if you read 12 to 15, where it talks about love, where it talks about holiness, where, it, I mean, 12 starts with prison, your bodies living sacrifice and all that stuff. It's actually about love. It's about how you treat others. Holiness is not so much the pietistic separation mentality, but actually how you treat one another, how you honor one another in the name of God or for the sake of Christ. And so Romans is a wonderful, wonderful book uh, to, ha- uh, to read. And in chapter 16, he closes by commending all those who were who worked with Paul, who strove with him in the ministry, who hosted churches because the uh, the church at Rome wasn't just one congregation. They probably met in many, many uh, houses just like our own gospel communities and maybe they came once in a while to fellowship with one another, who worked to care for the people in Rome, the believers, and then he warned them to guard against self. The book closes by warning them to guard against self-centered egoists who caused divisions um, uh, uh, among the church. So, 12 to 15, 12 to 16, holiness, yes, it's holiness, it's sacrifice, it's presenting itself to God, but it's actually love. It's love and harmony and unity and a lack of division and how a church can honor God by how they treat one another. So our our own chapter where our passage is, um, Romans 15, it opens by telling us that the strong ought to bear with the weakness of the weak. He says that we shouldn't insist on having our own way, but seek instead to please our neighbors for His own good, for His own building up. That we shouldn't, uh, but although he doesn't say we should cater to their uh, harmful whims or desires, but you know, give up your own, your own thing for your neighbor's benefit. In verse two, he explains that Christ didn't seek His own pleasure, but bore our own reproach. In verse three, and he encourages us that, in the light of Scripture, that Scripture, the record of Scripture, uh, the record or, or Scripture's record of selflessness, of sacrifice, of love, and all those wonderful things, either by Christ or by the saints of God, were written so that we might be patient and that we might be encouraged. He says we might be patient, that is, endure the disappointments or our disappointments of other people's failures. He also says that we might be encouraged. That means we will be comforted by our disappointments in our own failures. The whole point of encouragement and comfort, right, is so that we wouldn't give up on others or give up on ourselves, right, so that we may have hope, a confident expectation of a future blessed state in Christ. That's what hope is. The God of endurance, so he praised that uh, in five, may the God of patience and comfort, some transition says, may the God of endurance, and encouragement. So, those two, uh, so he uses patience and endurance interchangeably, and he uses comfort and encouragement interchangeably. So the prayer has made the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that you may be you may with one mind and mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of Christ. And so we see even in this prayer for unity, he asks us to be united right? But the unity has a focus. The unity has a direction. Uh, and there are many t- different transitions. I have many words for, uh, for the passage. Like-minded. Uh, so unity, like-minded, or to be like-minded, or harmony are all the different words you can use to, uh, that are sort of used interchangeably. And it simply means uh, to be marked by an agreement in feeling, in attitude, in action. It's when multiple objects or beings or systems or entities are acting in step with One another. We already know when we talk about unity, right, that a group of people uh, sufficiently motivated can achieve great things. They can can be driven by a singular vision, they can be bound by a common mission, and they can be united together by a set of shared values. In human example or in biblical example, we we read about um, uh, the men of Babel who decided that they were going to build a tower unto the Lord and reach God. And, you know, I don't know what they're planning, maybe overthrow God was their plan, it was an arrogant form of unity. We hear almost on a daily basis about uh, the inspiring stories of how uh, the men who, uh, who, uh, who came from, moved from the United Kingdom to the U.S. Uh, fought uh, against the king, got their independence, and built a nation. They, they, you know, they, they rallied around this principle of freedom from tyranny. All men created equal before God. We can create our own destiny before the Lord. And in the church, if you've been in the church, uh, you've heard of the singular vision of a resurrected Christ and what it caused in simple folk uneducated folk people who knew nothing right this church wasn't built by constantine no matter what you heard the church wasn't built by by rome by papacy by people by rich people who fleeced and built some cathedral the church was built by fishermen fishermen and those, and those fishermen you, you can tell they were not that great not that greatly inspired before death because before christ died because they all ran away right but a singular vision of seeing a resurrected Christ, what can remove that from? What could remove that from their heads? Nothing. And they've built this thing called the church. And 2,000 years later, men continue to see the Lord, see, see the Lord, through the preaching of the gospel continue to be inspired to build. And so when we talk about uh, 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 being inspired or being united, uh, City church, what would be the primary thing that would unite us? After all, we also, we have a vision, right? We have a grand vision. What's our vision? We have a vision uh, that is um, essentially what we hope to catalyze or cause in the city of Lagos. We have a mission, right? What we hope to build, you know, a community of worshipers on mission. And we have our value system, our values uh, that we hope to, or our values represent how we hope to build how we hope to catalyze, loving Jesus, loving people, and loving Lagos. And so there are many themes that Paul could have, asked, uh, could have exhorted us to unite on. In First Corinthians 1 uh, one and 10, he asks them to unite around doctrine. He says, I would that brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, agree with one another in what you say, uh, so there will be no divisions among you, but they will be perfectly united in mind and thought. So there's, you can unite around doctrine. Uh, In Ephesians uh, 4.13, we can unite, it says we should unite around faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, right? Knowing Jesus, it can be something we unite against, uh, unite around. But the context of our passage is relational from what I read in verse 1 and 2 and 3 and in verse 7 afterwards. Both in the context and the tone, it's actually the unity he talks about is uniting around the principle of love, Right? Uh, Jesus is used as an, as an example. Doctrine is referred to incidentally, but the real center of this prayer discourse is about people, God's people in particular, and how we treat one another, particularly how we welcome one another, how we bear with one another, and how we build up one another. And those are the three things I'd like you to note under that first uh, header, that the focus of unity in Romans chapter 5, the thing uh, Paul desires for us, the thing he prays to God for us, Is that we are united around love, and we see some practical ways in which we can welcome one another, in which we bear with one another, and we build up uh, one another. So it's around the shared value of loving people. It's specifically loving fellow believers, members of the body of Christ, members of your local assembly, right? Um, You know, I, I tend not to like to get into debates, but you know, every time, every time you sometimes we give instructions or we show from Scripture God's plan for us as a community. Somebody always has a reason. Are you saying we should not love people in other places? Are you saying we should not love the church as a whole? No, that's not what we're saying. Uh, But we're saying that, that there's somebody to your left, to your right today. If you attend gospel community, there's always somebody or people around you and that the people that God has surrounded you with in terms of your local assembly, in terms of your gospel community, in terms of the people you deal with every, every day that are believers. That's the first part of call that God asks you to, uh, to love. Those are, and those are probably the people that will stress you the most also, right? Um, a lot of people are integrated with their work colleagues. A lot of people are integrated with their families. So that may be a source of stress. And we should learn to love in those scenarios. But Paul is really talking about members of the body of Christ, starting with your local community. Let's, the charity begins at home. We learn how... We love how we create harmony, how we, uni- how we become united in our local assembly. And then our, our sphere, our focus, then radiates outside. Praise God. And so that's about the focus, the display. The display. So Paul prays for what the Lord wants, that people who are united in gospel essentials and who are tolerant of their diversity, because he says, welcome one another, as Christ did. God wants us to, um, God himself is, has harmony within himself, right? And he wants us to extend, And uh, God himself has harmony within himself, and then he, as head of the body, he wants the body to reflect that uh, same harmony. A loving community, a community that cherishes one another, a community that bears one another, that welcomes one another, will eschew or reject uh, cliques and having your own crew, reject party spirits, and your, your own sort of favorite people. I'm not saying you can't have favorite people, but that you work beyond those people that are naturally uh, in, your communi- in, your, in your own uh, natural uh, interest group. Harmony and love for God's people has nothing to do with common interest. It's on the basis that we belong supernaturally because G- uh, God, the Spirit, uh, gave birth to us and immersed us into the body of Christ. It goes beyond our natural interests. We have natural interests, and we have people that we share things in common with. But harmony and love has nothing to do with those interests. You may legitimately have friends you have something in common with, uh, but the gospel asks us to go beyond those natural boundaries and and seek to actively remove boundaries. And that's a hard thing for a lot of us, to actively seek to remove the boundaries that our natural tendencies may, may represent. Right. It means that we make an effort at uh, evaluating ourselves uh, through the prism of the gospel. We make an effort at being tolerant, at sacrificing, and looking at uh, the other man or woman that is beside us. In true form, uh, Paul says, this unity is according to Christ, right? According to Christ Jesus, who showed love to those who didn't deserve his love, people who didn't deserve his attention. Um, to people who had nothing in common with him. Uh, Jesus Christ was a theological giant, debating and confounding parents at what age? 12. Age 12. He was already confounding people. So who is it that was qualified to sit at his table and yarn doctrine with him? Who was it that was up to speed with theological knowledge or how the universe worked or what the future contained? Right? Who? None. There was absolutely no one, right? Who was his mate? Who qualified to be his friend? Was it Zacchaeus? Was it Blind Bartimaeus? Was it Lazarus? Was it Mary? Was it the uneducated, simple fishermen? Uh, his disciples that he had anything in common with? Was it? No. A passionate preacher who fasted 40 days and 40 nights and overcame Satan in the wilderness. Who would be his companion at the table? Who would be his ministry assistant? Who is qualified to be his ministry assistant? Who can hang with him in the desert 40 days and 40 nights? You, with your fasted life, with your prayed life. That, that means you have built up a false reputation. And the Lord will burst the bubble. Right? Elijah. Elijah is the closest person that you could say could hang with Jesus. Right? I mean, not just went to the desert, lived in the desert, wore camel clothing. Right? ate locust and wild honey. That, that was probably one person you could say in antiquity, I'm, I don't see any of you in camel clothing, so I don't see you guys, see your, your city folks, deserts. I mean, I, Jai is a desert to some of you people, <laughs> right? And some of you will not cross Third Milan Bridge unless you're going to the airport, right? So, you know, who is going to hang with Jesus Christ? Who deserves, who has something in common with him? And even, even, uh, uh, even John says, I am not worthy... untie his sandals now that's not even the work of a ministry assistant that's the work of a slave right a ministry assistant will carry his bible his old testament parchments a ministry assistant will if you had a cloak let me handle your cloaks or your staff let me hold it for you you know we'll learn at the street we'll gather all the other prophets and we'll organize the other you know fishermen and say sit down there jesus is coming in five minutes the man of god is coming that's what a ministry assistant will do right a slave, when, they, when you get home, when, they, when the preacher gets home or the man gets home and his leg has carried dirt and mud and he goes into the courtyard, a slave will rush out and then he puts his shoes or his leg on something, on a cushion, and then the slave servant will take out, untie his, his sandals and wash his feet. He says, I'm not worthy, not to become his companion or his ministry assistant or his, his successor like Elisha to Elijah a slave i'm not worthy to untie his shoes and so that those are the things we should think about when wherever the defense of well you know i don't have anything in common with that person time runs fast so i have to keep checking okay christ's willingness to receive his disciples men and women who had varied capacities who have varying accomplishments, uh, varied degrees of knowledge, uh, preparation, or opinion, um, both in his incarnation and today. Even today, the Bible says, "Those of you who are called." How many of you were, you know, of massive reputation? How many of you were giants? How many of you were rena- men of renown or women of renown? How many of you had anything you could say? Jesus called me because you know, you knew I would move the nations for the Lord in my in the glorious position in the echelons of. Global finance and whatever it is that I occupy. He knew I would be able to, you know, move things in the mountains of men, you know. He says, which one of us? None. So even till today, uh, Christ continues to gather men and women who have no reason, who he has no reason to choose, who have nothing in common with him. And he's not only united us in his own body, he seeks that we would have the kind of unity um, that he has with the Godhead. And so he asks us to welcome one another. He asks us to, uh, to give latitude for differences of, of opinion. Uh, God seeks unity amidst diversity. And that shouldn't surprise us because as Trinity, he exhibits both diversity in persons, right, three persons, and a unity in essence. God wants us to have unity. So there's a story of uh, how do you get, the, I'm talking about how we're going to get unity. So there's a story of uh, a former pastor called Eric Daniel Harris, Uh, who pled guilty in November 1996 uh, arson that burnt down the Kentucky Missionary Baptist Church in Arkansas. According to a federal prosecutor, Harry said he did it because there was so much division among church members that they needed a project to unify them. Okay. So that that sounds like an absurd way to go about unity, right? Um, But is it any more absurd than how we today may be going around creating unity. Some of us think of it as uniformity. Some of us would ask that we coalesce around a great leader, right? A general overseer, general superintendent. What other titles do we use? A man of God, the one who has seen God, right? Um, Some people appeal to the greatness of our movement. You know, we're the ones who are going to catalyze, hallelujah, a gospel-centered renewal in the city of Lagos. And we're not stopping at Lagos. We're going to Abuja. Why Abuja, not Kaduna? Don't ask me. I think there may be money, sorry, there may be people in Abuja. So we can coalesce around a vision, you know, our greatness of our movement, our destiny to impact Lagos, um, you know, or any, you know, someone, someone who has some boundless inspiration, who has a vision, who has an unction, and we'll just follow the person and we'll be united around one person. But how is harmony actually created? It's through the daily interactions of God's people. Harmony is not something that, Lord, Lord, give us unity. Lord, give us unity. Lord, give us harmony. And then, as a response, I just feel one with... I'm feeling one right now with Dibola. I'm. I feel like there's some communion with Toby. You know, it's just welling up in me. Right? We pray for harmony... We pray for unity, but the unity doesn't come by just w- something that wells up, and then all of a sudden, DM and I were just in perfect agreement. Or DM and me are just, they just see eye to eye on all the songs that they choose and they sing. Right? Instead, it's through our daily interactions, our interactions that are laced with. The love of God. It's when I have shown love to you and you've shown love to me, after I've welcomed you and accepted you and you have welcomed and accepted me, after I've borne with your pain and your suffering and you've done the same for me, after I've built you up in the Lord and you have done the same for me, then we have harmony, we have unity. And so we're asked in Romans uh, 15, 7 to welcome one another. It says, ask the one who is weak in the faith, uh, as, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, not to quarrel over opinion. So apart from Romans 15, 17, this is uh, Romans 14:1. So, somebody who is different from you, who is, you consider weak in the faith, he has his own, you know, he has special days that he, you know, considers to the Lord. He eats things. He doesn't like it when you break out your bottle of wine, you know. He's, you know, he doesn't eat pork. You know, his conscience is, you know, touched by certain things. You know, the guy just doesn't allow people to live. He says, don't argue with him. Don't quarrel with him. Accept him. Embrace him. And don't embrace him so that you can change his mind. You see? That's the point, right? Just let them in. Let them in. Open the door. Let them in. Once they are in, you lock the door. And beat them on the head until they accept, until we think the same way. He says, he can eat or drink or observe, whatever it is. He says, do not judge him. Um, I don't think that he's going to fall. So this is the other thing. Don't look down on him and think, the way this guy is going, he's going to fall. He right? says, why? why? Why do you think he's going to fall? It's to his master that he stands or falls, and he will stand. Why? Why will he stand? Because his master is able to make him stand. He's sustained by his master, not by what we think of him. 15 says we should bear with uh, the burdens of the weak, even when we don't agree with them, even when we believe that their choices may be responsible for the troubles that they have. Bear with the weak. Even when we believe that the choices they've made is responsible for the problems that they have, bear with them, not to judge them, right? But to come as a person who is trustworthy, generally speaking to help out, generally speaking to learn their joys, their sorrows, to pray for them, uh, to give thanks for their little successes and to help them with whatever, whatever may be ailing them, to build them up. 15.2 uh, uh, says, not seeking to please ourselves but our neighbors for mutual edification. It's something funny. He says that when we dampen our own selfish impulses to allow other priorities receive satisfaction, in a weird way, we also receive uh, edification satisfaction. Now, there's a story that, um, there's a little tidbit that uh, Femi Akinwari told me. I, call, I called his name so that, you know, if you don't like the analogy, you can go and meet him after service. He says that, um, he says, since he doesn't understand why, he was telling me when I related a story to him about how my wife and I went to, we couldn't agree on which movie to watch. And he said to me, he says, I don't, I don't understand you, you guys. I don't understand how, you know you know, whenever you want to go and watch a movie with your wife, you should always let your wife pick. I said, ah, but don't I don't have my own, you know, I can watch a movie, we don't, you know. So he said, he said, if she doesn't like the movie that you pick, there is no upside. There's a lot of downside. <laughs> a lot of downside. If she picks a movie, you may like it, so there's a chance you'll be okay. If you don't like it, well, and you just swallow whatever it is you think about the movie, right? It's all upside. There's no downside because you spend two and a half hours with your wife, you sacrifice something for her, and she's just smiling, just happy, and she has it in memory. Provided you don't remind her one month later that I really didn't enjoy that. You know, don't be stupid, right? What he was saying, you know, is that there is, okay, so that's a bit cynical, you know, house management issue. What is, what the truth is that we do get some edification, not when we get our way, but when others around us uh, get their way. And we are the source of their getting their way. In other words, we cause them pleasure, we cause them satisfaction, we cause happiness to somebody else. Okay. Um, there are other scriptures we could look at, uh, but I'm running short of time. 14:10 uh, uh, Romans 14.10 talks about uh, genuine love, brotherly affection. Um, for t- uh, he also talks about how we should outdo one another to show honor. So rather than boasting uh, about our own ways, we should give up. Uh, rather than acting like we're the smartest person in the room, you know, some people can talk. So we we'll talk a lot, right? In a group, some of us, uh, some some of you, um, <laughs> some of us tend to monopolize conversation, right? And then we don't allow other people to sort of express themselves, right? But Rather than dominating, rather than always wanting to win an argument or the argument, rather than wanting to always be the one who has has all the uh, answers or answers all the questions, allow other people to contribute to your community, allow people to contribute to your discussion, that's how we actually bring people. There are lots of people in communities who are sort of invisible. They just sort of stand on the margin, stand on the sideline, and God would have us draw those people near into our community and it's when we share those values when those all these things I've talked about become our daily experience with church folks that the trust for one another the confidence the knowledge that you are looking out for me I'm looking at for and I, I will look out for you those are the things that actually uh, build harmony so it's the when we look at our, again our mission statement we have a vision we have a mission but it's actually that shared value that will help us right build a community of loving worshipers on mission. It's that will enable us to catalyze um, a gospel-centered renewal uh, in the city of Lagos. So I move on to the third one quickly. The source of our like mind. Now, very clearly, God is the source. What did Paul pray? He says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony in accord with Christ's use. May the God, the source is God, but it comes by praying. The, uh, the source is God, but it comes by praying for it. Prayer has a way, again, of shaping our desires, shaping our thoughts, and shaping our actions, right? So it's, it's praying for it because we believe that God will answer the prayers we offer up to him, but it's also because our minds, our lives need to be shaped our desires need to be conformed to, uh, to the same as Jesus Christ. And it is through prayer that we'll actually get all the central elements of, those, uh, of the loving actions that we're looking for. And let's just do a quick one. How do I then practically pray? So we want unity, we want harmony, and we know that what we're uniting around is love. So how then do I pray about getting harmony, about the things that I need to do, the things that you and I need to do in order to bring harmony into the church? So the scripture that asks us in Romans 14.10 to uh, do one another to show honor. When you pray, you can lift up your voice to the Lord and say, you know, first, Lord, forgive me for dominating the conversation in gospel community. Thank you, Lord, for uh, Taiwo who's been quiet all this time but has begun to express ourselves. And we thank you for how her expression has told us where we can help her. Lord, help me to not focus on myself only, but to look out for others who may be on the margins of our society. We ask you in Jesus' name. That's simple prayers like that. Where the Bible asks us to be fervent in serving one another, we should pray, if you're not volunteering, pray, Lord, help me to find a place where I can serve my brothers and sisters in this community. And for those who are serving, you can say to the Lord, Lord, I ask that, I've noticed that I'm flagging in zeal, in enthusiasm Lord, I pray that you give me the energy to do my work as unto the Lord. Help me to find the joy in serving and to delight in the result of serving, that your people may be blessed in Jesus' name. Where the Bible asks us to contribute to the needs of the saints, we lift up our voice and we say, We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of having mercy to the people in our church. Lord, I don't have much to give, but help my heart to be centered and anchored on you so that even with the little that I have, I can meet the needs. Of the saints. And Lord, the need we heard is great. And we ask, Lord, that you move your people to help and contribute to the needs of the saints of God. Where we ask to show hospitality, you pray that your home, say, Lord, I pray that even though my house isn't much, we pray that every once in a while we have the presence of mind to invite people to come and fellowship with us, to have a meal, to rest their feet, and to be refreshed and to be relaxed. Uh, Emmanuel and his wife are coming along today. I don't really have much to say to him. I don't think we have a lot in common. But we invited them, Lord. Help us to have a a thriving, refreshing conversation. Help us to be a blessing to them. Help them to refresh our family. We ask in Jesus' name. And there's so many things. Go and read through uh, Romans chapter 12, 13, 14. All the things that that talks about how we relate to one another. Those are the things we can pray for. Those are the things we can pray about. And as we do that, our minds become shaped, our desires become shaped, and we're spurred to action. And God answers those prayers and helps us to live peaceably with one another. Last part inspiration for harmonious love. That seems to be clear, right? He says, like Jesus Christ, who bore our own reproach. Jesus Christ bore our insults in his treatment by the Jews and Gentiles. The Jews and Gentile authority treated him as a criminal. Uh, he encountered rough justice. Now, all those things were things that should have come to us, right? The beatings, the jibes, the mockery that you see from the guards, from the passing crowds, uh, the nailing to the cross. They were so petty. After they had crucified him to the cross, they said, and, you know, Pilate wrote, behold, the king of the Jews. He says, no, no, you know, that's, that's not what, you know, say, this guy said, he's the, look at the pettiness. Having done so much evil to an innocent man, they, pettiness of men still says we don't even like what is inscribed on his cross in his death They complained of all was written uh, such was the threat that he represented to their religious establishment to their predestined greatness and yet the bible says this was the punishment that brought us peace peace with who with god the father reconcile us to the father that brought us harmony with the god and father of our lord jesus christ all those things were laid upon jesus christ and it wasn't just him alone, right? It's not just Jesus loves us and the Father was just like, eh, beh, beh, just accepted us grudgingly. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, Well, united in love uh, for one another and for humanity. And so it was their plan that Jesus might bring many sons and daughters into harmony with the Godhead to create a family that is not ashamed to have God as their father. His death paid a penalty for our rebellion. His resurrection proved that he was innocent, he didn't deserve death, and, it sparked, uh, and his resurrection also sparked our justification. His ascension into heaven paved the way for the Holy Spirit, the great Comforter, to come to us, the Holy Spirit who baptizes us into the body of Christ, brings us to union, actual union with the Godhead, who brings us peace, and through whom God the Father sheds abroad or pours out his love into our hearts. When we have faith, along with every other believer, we become part of the body of Christ, members of one another. And God, through His Spirit, gives us love. He gives us power. He gives us the desire. He gives us the encouragement to be holy, loving, trusting, hopeful, united people. He gives us power to be holy, loving, trusting, hopeful united people. That is a hard thing. That line is hard. We barely it's hard and we can't do it by our own strength. It comes when we realize first and foremost, like last week we were told that we already have an identity as sons of God. Right? We have a starting place. The love of God is poured out into our hearts. We have got the Holy Spirit that empowers us, that shapes our desires, that encourages us encourages us to keep at it in spite of our own failures. That encourages us to endure in spite of other people's failures. And today, if you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, you come into that family of God and you receive His encouragement and His comfort even as we strive to live according to Christ Jesus. Christ continues to love His body by caring for it, but that care for the body is mediated through you and I. When somebody loses someone and is crying in their home and we're saying, Lord, comfort this person. Yes, there is some comfort of the Spirit. But the fullness of God's comfort is mediated through who? People. And that's why or when somebody lacks money in their pockets, that's why James says, you can't go and say, they're there, they're there, school fees money in your pocket now. Be filled. You're hungry? Let water rise up. Or tea or coffee rise up in your belly. No, you actually go buy the person bread and coffee. God's love, God's care for his people is mediated through the body of Christ. And so we have the ability to fulfill the commandment to owe no man anything except the continuing debt of love. And the result is that together we will, with one mind and one voice, Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In summary, because I know we're very forgetful people. The focus of unity, we spoke about the focus of unity. It's centered around love, the shared value that will help us build a community of loving worshipers. We spoke about the pattern or the display of harmony, unity in diversity, and the practical displays that will build harmony uh, in our loving community. Welcoming all, bearing with all, building up all. We spoke about the source of our like-mindedness, God, the God of endurance of patience, the God of encouragement and comfort, through praying, using scriptures as a template for shaping our hearts and for shaping our habits towards love. And then we spoke about the inspiration for this harmonious love. Christ who did not please himself, but bore our reproach and gave us his family, gave us his gifts, and has given us this wonderful platform to love one another. May the God of endurance and encouragement give us harmony through love. Let us bow our heads. Our God and our Father, we thank you because you have not left us as orphans, even as you've given us great and wonderful commandments to love one another, to be like-minded, and to create an environment where we would, with one mind, with one heart, with one voice, lift up our voice to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you because it is not by our strength, it's not by our power that you expect us to do these things. But you do want us, Lord, to want to do those things. And we thank you for the desire you've begun to instill and wake up inside of us. For it is you that works in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And Lord, we ask that you perfect your work in us, Lord. You take the little crumbs of bread, the little pieces of fish that we offer, and make them into a mighty feast. Let our hearts well up, Lord, desiring to pray. Help our minds, Lord, to plan how and when we'll take the time off to commune with you. And help us to do this consistently on a daily basis, Lord, no matter how small the time is. Let the people who come into our church, into our communities, feel your love. Not just hear with their ears, we talking about love. Let them feel your love. Let them experience the mediated love through members of your body. Let there be comfort. Let there be encouragement. Let there be harmony in our midst. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.